0: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast.
1: I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to talk about how you can maximize your revenue. Joining us is William Tyree, who is the Chief Marketing Officer at Revenue.io, which powers high-performing teams with real-time guidance by surfacing and recommending what works best. Revenue.io enables hundreds of customers like HPE, Nutanix, and AWS to deliver predictable results and optimize their entire revenue operation. And today, William and I are going to discuss rebranding for revenue. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with William Tyree, the Chief Marketing Officer at Revenue.io. William, welcome to the Martech Podcast.
2: Thank you. I'm so pleased to be here.
1: Excited to have you on the show. Excited to not only have somebody who's well-respected in the marketing circles, well-respected in sales circles, revenues, kind of a big deal in these parts. So we're thrilled to have you as our guest.
2: Amazing. You're way too kind. And I think I told you this before we started rolling, but I'm an avid listener here. So uh, definitely can't wait to see this added to the roster. So
1: I appreciate the support. And I want to talk to you a little bit before we get into... What you do at revenue.io, talking a little bit about branding and your role as a marketer. Revenue wasn't always called revenue. Ring DNA was originally the name for the company, and you decided to rebrand. So let's talk a little bit about rebranding towards the revenue domain. Walk me through the thought process and a little bit of the dynamics of getting that accomplished.
2: Ring DNA actually came out of an agency where we were sales and marketing consultants. And we had a great tool for everything. We used Marketo with our customers. We used Salesforce with our customers. But when it came to the phone, we found that companies were spending lots and lots of money generating leads, but they had no understanding of who the reps were calling. Or if they were driving inbound calls specifically, they didn't know where those calls were coming from, what ad spend was going to it, and so on and so forth. So RingDNA made a lot of sense for the name, for the initial two products that we created. One was inbound call tracking for marketing teams. And then the other was we wanted to be the best global dialer for sales teams using Salesforce. So that name really worked in the initial states of the company where we were more or less a single point solution. But we feel like the world changed. Marketing, sales, and CX teams have gotten more aligned. Our platform's grown into an AI platform that really just tries to help people uncover what's working, what's not working and capture activity across the platform and then guide them. So just the name didn't fit anymore.
1: The first sponsor we had when we started the MarTech podcast is a company called CallRail, who's kind of in a similar space, a little bit more of a down market SMB focused product for call tracking and it seems like Ring DNA was more of the enterprise scale version of that type of product and you mentioned that the world has changed a little I've seen CallRail go through call tracking to becoming still a relatively down market marketing attribution company and Ring DNA went a little bit of a different direction which was moving from call tracking to leveraging AI to support revenue teams. Why did you decide to go towards the revenue, not only branding, but revenue generation product cycle?
2: The RevOps movement has really, I think, taken at least enterprise companies by storm. We did just came out with some research uh, along with our friends, Ray Reich over RevOps Squared and John Miller over at Demandbase. And this is a second year that we've done this research. And we think what Gartner said is maybe even a little conservative, where they predicted that by 2025, 75% of enterprise companies would have really implemented a RevOps model, which is essentially aligning sales, marketing, and success through data and some organizational frameworks. I actually think that we're seeing the alignment happen even faster than that. So for us, building a solution that you can really have your sales team on, your success team on, but then marketing gets a lot of what they need to really kind of help align with those teams as well through shared data and things that really increase the feedback loops between the teams was just really important for us.
1: So let's talk a little bit more about that trend. You're saying that RevOps is a growing industry and often the people that are listening to this podcast are professional markers, most if not all of them. And I think that we're all a little confused about what's a marketing team and what's a revenue team. Tell me about this trend of RevOps and what does that mean for marketers?
2: I think that the goal of the RevOps movement is really like, here's what it looks like, I think, in a good organization that's embraced it and is kind of maturing is that, at least probably weekly, bi-weekly, your marketing leaders, demand gen, what have you, are on a call these days, mostly on a web conference, but with your sales team, with your success team, and you're looking at dashboards together and looking at the same metrics. And instead of things being quite so siloed in terms of marketing, just kind of being in their corner, doing their thing with lead scoring and account scoring, and occasionally just trying to put ABM platforms together. It's really more of an aligned exercise where you're really talking together in a very open way, but aligned through data about how things are working and what needs to change and making those decisions jointly. The last thing I'll say is for us internally, it's very important to have sort of a Switzerland of data. So we created a revenue ops team and they're operations folks. They're formerly marketing ops, formerly sales ops, people who are actually now working as one unit. And their goal is to just help everything work more smoothly, just like marketing ops usually would, but also to give teams the insights that they need to really make these decisions.
1: Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi, who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X.co. co. So there's this macro trend of sort of a collaboration. I like the idea of a Reporting Switzerland it doesn't have any stake in the game. So, marketing, sales, down to customer success, or through customer success, I guess I should say, are all working on the same data set, the same KPIs. And you decided to go through the rebranding process to capture that and sort of focus on being a revenue generator. Talk to me about the marketing process for rebranding the company. Ring DNA was around for a few years before the rebrand. So, I'm sure that your logo had been splashed all around the internet. How do you go find them, take them down, replace them? What's the rebranding process like?
2: For sure, there's still a little bit of whack-a-mole like you're going with that. We're about three months into this. But for us, the process really started with first the realization. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons that people rebrand. In my opinion, most of the time, it's not a good reason. A lot of times, it's just because somebody's sick of the logo or a bunch of people are sick of the logo or... You just think you had a better name or something like that. For us, it was just like, the name just doesn't fit anymore. And we knew that. So in the beginning, it was just saying, okay, what are our objectives defining those? We actually used our consultants out at at places like Gartner, Forrester, customers that we trust to kind of float a bunch of options and ideas. And it was, I think that getting outside a reaction to some of the ideas that you have in revenue.io was one of them is really important just to make sure you're not getting drunk on your own Kool-Aid, right? Which we all do, right? And that's part of getting passionate, but really listening to the feedback was the first step. I think second step for us is once we felt like we had a good plan and there's like a handful of us trusting the company to keep a secret. It was a process where we basically came out to the company and said, here are the reasons we're doing this. Here's validation that we've gotten from people that we trust that this is a really good idea. Here's what we think it's going to do for our market opportunity. And we're trusting all of you to not only help pull this off because it really at the end of the day involves everybody from your product team, engineering team, a lot of it falls on marketing, but to keep it under wraps. So we gave ourselves about 90 days to actually execute all of this. And yeah, part of that, as you're talking about too, is at the end, once you pull the curtain back and everybody wakes up and you're a different company the next day, it is about quickly logging into like 50 digital properties across the web and change your identity as well.
1: Who knows someone at Crunchbase to tell us that it's serious. We really changed our name, right? It's almost as bad as my wife, when we got married, changed her last name. And going through the federal government to change a name is not easy. I can't imagine <laughs> it's any easier from a corporate perspective.
2: No, it's not easier at all. It's funny, just a little kind of a, I think this is a sign that I was destined to be a marketer. When my daughter was born, I sent out an email to a bunch of friends and family like, hey, my daughter's here whatever. And her name was Layla, but it was with a different spelling. And when I got phone calls back, everybody mispronounced her name. Layla. Exactly. And so I marched right down to the records in the hospital after talking to my wife and said, hey, this test was a complete failure. Let's spell it the way, you know, the song, yeah. L-A-Y-L-A. So
1: <laughs> we uh, ironically, and I don't know if I've ever said this in private, more or less publicly on a podcast, but our first son, we didn't know what his gender was going to be. Turned out he was a boy, but one of our top choices as names was either Layla or Lila. And the reason why we didn't go with it is we weren't sure how to spell it where people would pick the right name. <laughs> so I understand that. Fortunately, Revenue, relatively easy name to remember and pronounce. How did you get access to the revenue brand? Obviously, you're revenue.io, but that's a general term as opposed to you know, a made-up word. You're not doing Airbnb or Uber taxi. You're a common word in the everyday vernacular. How did you secure the rights to revenue as your name?
2: So that was part of the research process. Once we really thought that that name resonated with people and they loved not only the short term, but the long term implications of it, then we had to do a bunch of work. There was some legal involved just to say, okay, actually look at trademark existence for certain categories that we're in, look at domain possibilities. So there was definitely some legal work involved to see what was there. Now, fortunately, revenue.io was available Not available like straight up from GoDaddy, but available for us to purchase.
1: Not the $11 available, but not the $1,100,000 available either.
2: Exactly. And I have to give our CEO huge credit for this. He's just, he's always been, since before I met him, he's definitely been a shark when it comes to domain properties. So he definitely was a gigantic help, could not have done this without him.
1: Always a good thing to have a shark on your side. One thing that I want to ask you about is often when companies are rebranding, they basically just shorten their existing name, Uber Taxi to Uber, as the example that I can think of off the top of my head. Did you ever think about going from ring DNA to just DNA? Was that something that was in the conversation?
2: It was, actually. So we looked at just DNA. The feedback from that was that, okay, I'm going to think you're just a healthcare company or a biosciences company. I might have the wrong impression coming in the door. And we thought that's something that we could overcome, but it would take a large spin in terms of awareness and messaging to actually overcome that. The other one, to your point, where one of the things we talked about was going from Dunkin' Donuts to just Dunkin', was we thought about revenue DNA instead of ring DNA, and we still had some feedback without us prompting it to saying like revenue DNA almost sounds like maybe you're a finance platform for biosciences companies or something like that. So there was just enough of that feedback where we just thought maybe simpler is better.
1: All right. So give me a piece of advice. I am the next William Tyree. I join a growing startup and i faced with the idea that the name stinks not to say that your old name stunk, but my new company's name stinks. It's actually namestinks.com. And I have to go through the rebranding process. What's your biggest piece of advice for going through that process and making sure that you execute it successfully?
2: I'd say biggest piece of advice is just making sure that the internal stakeholders, which for us was like our executive team, not only our executive team, but It's really important to get buy-in and get aligned with, for us, our creative team our creative director specifically, just making sure that you're all aligned on the opportunity and the reasons why you're doing it. Because if you're not aligned on that, then, I mean, rebranding is a lot of work and it's not like you can stop doing your regular job while you do it. So I think getting people passionate and bought in on the idea is, it sounds really simple, but that's the most important part.
1: You know, just like the merger of marketing, sales, customer success, rebranding is similar in the sense that it is all about alignment. And we're going to talk about the former, what the revenue operations role really looks like in our next episode and talk about that alignment as well. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech podcast. Thanks to William Tyree, Chief Marketing Officer at Revenue.io for joining us. In part two of this conversation, which we'll publish tomorrow, William and I are going to discuss whether marketing operations is dead or not. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about William, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is William Tyree. That's W-I-L-L-I-A-M-T-Y-R-E-E. Or you can visit his company's website, which is revenue.io.